Seth Spins contains mild adult language. The views of the members of this podcast do not reflect the views of Viking Fusion or Viking Fusion staff. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to Season 3, Episode 3 of Seth Spins. Uh, This has been a very fun season to record. I've been really enjoying some of the feedback I've been getting. Uh, We've been growing a lot in uh, viewers and listeners, and it's just been very exciting to get all these different guests and get all these different ideas out onto the platform, and I'm really excited to continue doing so. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, This is my friend Matt Parks, uh, music extraordinaire in ways. (laughs) <laughs> it's clipping, bitch. Dude, it's clipping, bitch. We're ready to talk a little bit about just a ton of different stuff today. But uh, to sort of start off, I wanted to kind of delve into current events a little bit. So over the past few weeks, months, uh, we've had a couple of artists who have quit making music for one reason yeah. or another. Um, namely, MF Doom, who sadly passed away last year, and yeah. it was announced as of Halloween. Um, and then we also had, just a couple of uh, days ago, we had Daft Punk announce after almost 30 years as a French house duo that they were going to break up their musical operation. So how are we feeling about that? I mean, Doom's losses, it, it sent waves through the hip-hop community because I think, I, I saw a tweet, I think it was Don McClendon from Brockhampton, but I can't remember mm-hmm. for sure, but he said that MF Doom is your favorite rapper's favorite mm-hmm. rapper. Yeah. And it's just so true. Like, everyone started with Doom when it comes to, like, lyrical hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And Doom had this way of mixing comedy and, like, just yeah. real shit. No, absolutely. So well. Um, I've seen, like, graphs and charts and stuff where it's, like, the most quote-unquote lyrical MCs. And there's a couple that are above him. Like, I know Aesop Rock's, like, big thing is okay. that he has just tons and tons and tons. But, like, MF Doom in terms of, like, listeners yeah. and just, like, general influence, like, by far. Definitely. Has some of the greatest, you know, lyrical diversity. Um, and also the favorite rapper's favorite rapper thing is really interesting because... If you look at almost any of the artists that we're talking about today, in one way or another, definitely they have been influenced by his mic skills. Like yeah. going going from Mad Villainy, which has this Man. insane sort of influence upon not only hip hop but also production, even for things like Adult Swim. Yeah, no, um, Mad Villainy is just such a tight album. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the the track I come back to, which is probably kind of like. Everybody does. There's accordion, obviously, which just, I mean, you've got this dissonant accordion sound Mm -hmm. going on as the instrumental, and I think it might only be the accordion. It's it's the accordion and maybe, like, a few cents. Yeah, and it's just, man, the kind of journey he takes you on in that album. Mm -hmm. With the opening line, the um, living on borrowed time, the clock ticks faster, Mm -hmm. like, especially now, that's just so... potent. Yeah, it hits. It's, it was when he died, I think I tweeted that, because it was just, like, man yeah it hits (laughs) it's it's thinking about accordion as a song it really kind of encapsulates everything i think about when i think of mf doom because you have it's the opening like song song of the album and it's it it barely broaches two minutes Mm -hmm. but it, it feels like you're listening to some like six minute like lyrical mc just go crazy talking about all this different like stuff that really doesn't make 
a ton of sense, <laughs> but it, it's just it, it more so Aussie with like the way he's mixing words together and like all of the in verse rhymes right. that he's doing. It, it goes over your head because it sounds so good outside of all of that. Mm-hmm. But it's just it really showcases like how important he is for a musician to look at and say, this is what we can do. And we really write down our lyrics and really focus mm-hmm. on lyrical content because I mean, he's the only rapper I can think of besides maybe Kendrick Lamar and a few others, where production and lyricism really come together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they just, they really come together and say, like, look, I'm not going to market myself as, like, oh, I'm not really much of a rapper, but I do production, like, Playboy right. Cardi. Or, like, <laughs> I'm just going to do rapping and all this other stuff that have, you know, sometimes, like, kind of garbage production at Eminem. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, he's really coming together and making stuff that everybody enjoys, and I think that shows up commercially and critically. Yeah. Well, one interesting thing before we move on to Daft Punk. Um, so this kid from my high school... I didn't know him, but he had graduated a few years before, and mm-hmm. he's a rapper now named Reggie Snow. Oh, yeah? Who's pretty big Yeah, I've heard now. of him. Yeah, he, like, one of MF Doom's last tracks was a feature with Reggie Snow. Really? And having that direct connection was... That's I was, killer. I think I was listening to Pollen when I realized oh, that. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, Reggie and MF Doom? <laughs> Dude, that's that's crazy. Last yeah. podcast, we talked about Pollen. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just such a random, like, call out. <laughs> But, um, yeah, MF Doom's just insanely memorable in terms yeah. of production and lyricism. And it, I think it's owed to anybody to listen to just a little bit of his music, whether it be, you know, Mad Villainy, which is sort of like his seminal work with uh, producer Mad Lib, or if you go into his more comedic stuff that's still really incredible, like right. mm, food. Mm, um, food. There's just a lot of good stuff going on there that I fully recommend. So take some time, listen to him. I think it's it's totally worth it. Um, also talking about Daft Punk. So they put out a video about two or three days ago as of the recording, um, which essentially was titled Epilogue and was just one of their characters blowing up. And then there was like this little card that was like, you know, 1993 to 2021. This is it. (laughs) Shaking hands. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's crazy to think about because they've stopped making music by themselves since, what, 2013? Yeah, they've been... Yeah, 2013 was Random Access Memories, Yeah, I think. and, they, and they, like, did, they did two production credits on Starboy with The Weeknd. And then <laughs> right, they, were, they were done. You know, Which, they like, it's so crazy how much... I mean, the internet exploded when that came out. Mm-hmm. And, like, with someone like Doom, obviously his passing is a lot heavier than right. Daft Punk breaking up. Mm-hmm. But, like, the internet went nuts when they found out. Because, like... Daft Punk hits so many different demographics. Absolutely. With Get Lucky, they hit the mainstream market. Mm-hmm. With, um, I don't know, something like Touch, which is probably one of my favorites off it, yeah. which is the Paul Williams feature. You hit, like, it's this ballad, a lot of sort of almost experimental sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that album just goes all over the place, so it impacts so much of the music community seeing Daft Punk right. bow out. Well, it's it's crazy because they started out, and it, they never really stopped doing what they intended to set out to do, which was not exactly a mainstream demographic kind of thing. They were formed in 93 as a French house music duo, <laughs> which when you hear French house music duo, you probably don't think like multi-million dollar record right. deal. You think of like underground electronic. And you at the club. And like Yeah, you at the club. You know, it's like songs like around the world and you know harder better faster stronger when you think about those like yeah they're really popular but it's hard to think about why they're so popular Definitely. right 
like when you hear around the world, you're, you're probably thinking like, how did this get popular? It's the same <laughs> phrase repeated almost 200 times. <laughs> And, you know, you'll hear somebody go like, oh, rappers just say the same thing over and over again. And then you hear Daft Punk and it's like, well, that's really good, though. <laughs> and it, I think it, it speaks to, like, how good they were at looping very similar instrumentals, but just mm. giving them enough kick and interest and dissonance to, like, liven them up a little bit. Yeah, and I think and Harder, I, Better, Faster, Stronger is the same way where you've got mm-hmm. the same phrase, but the way they kind of... You hear one half of it mm-hmm. as its own thing, then the next verse mm-hmm. is the second half, and of then it, they put and then they together, put them together, and, and you're like, "Oh, hype. it's a sentence." It's hype too. It's, yeah. it's, it's an incredible moment, and like go, going through just like Discovery as an album. It's mm-hmm. we just hit, I think, as of today, 20 years. Oh wow! Of Discovery yeah. being out, and that's personally my favorite, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's just a little bit more human because on their 1997 sort of first album, Homework you have a very raw sound. And I know that's said for, like, every first album ever made, but, like, their sound is clearly in development. Like, mm-hmm. they're they're very good at what they're doing, clearly, but it's not fully, you know, yeah. fully envisioned, I'd say. But with Discovery, that album is referred to as a concept album because not necessarily that the music is put together in such a way where it's telling a story by itself, right? right? It's just vague themes of love and, you know, human interest kind of stuff. But there's an associated movie, yeah. which is an animated film called Interstellar 5555, <laughs> which is like this new age, like alien anime film, which sounds crazy, but it, it works very, very well yeah. in the context of what they're doing. And there's like no dialogue. It's just the music backing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like one long music video. But it, it just it showcases how interesting that album is as like a. You know, like, this is what electronic music can do if you want to broach into the mainstream. Like, really flesh it out and make it, yeah. like, feel alive. You make know? it more than just dance. Right. Like, it's... The, after homework, they realized, I think, that they don't have to be confined to the club. Mm-hmm. They can make things that aren't just, like, looping instrumentals or just very vague song topics that go together and make this, like, you know, danceable stuff. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, like, one of my favorite songs, and it's still one of my probably top five, ten favorite songs of all time is Digital Love. Mm-hmm. Because that song that song hit when I was yeah, younger. No, it, it was crazy to listen to. Yeah. But how do you feel about uh, Random Access Memories? That uh, Random Access Memories means a lot to me because it, it had to be like maybe... I think it was the first modern album I ever bought. Like really? at that time I was listening to only like uh, classic rock. Because you were probably, what, 12, 13 at the time? Yeah, I was about 13, I think. And, like, all I listened to was classic rock and stuff. And I, I had this, you know, the whole notion that, like, only classic rock is good. Anything right. that's modern is bad. Rap yeah. music is bad and all this stupid stuff. And I had a friend, well, my sister's ex-boyfriend, really, who was like, <laughs> hey, man, uh, you have to listen to Daft Punk. They're actually good. And I was like, I mean, I heard Around the World. It's just yeah. Around the World again and again. Yeah. And I didn't really get it. And then I listened to Random Access Memories, and, like, I think it really broadened my scope of what, I mean, number one, more contemporary music can yeah, do, obviously, yeah. but, like... Yeah, it gets you out of dad rock a little bit. Oh, yeah. And it definitely pushed me into, like, more experimental, sort of mm-hmm. actually building this... I mean, the way that you hear these sounds of, like, ships sort of getting starting to take off mm-hmm. and all this sort of things like oh, that. Oh, and, like, and, like, beyond and stuff. Yeah. And, and I remember 
when I, I was playing the album in my dad's car in that moment, we just, like, looked at each other like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, this is intense. Like, yeah. it's so out there. Well, they, they were not shy to, like, nine, ten-minute songs on that album Definitely. either. Like, yeah. I would say the average is close to five or six minutes, which for a mainstream album is insane. And there's the one track, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's just the French guy talking about yeah. the synthesizer and yeah, yeah, how yeah. much, and as he talks about his development and uh, how much better, you know, how much he's grown with the synthesizer and with music, the mm-hmm. song proceeds to get more and more complex. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, it's it's <laughs> random access memories. I think is an important one to talk about Definitely. because it it goes away from what they did previously, and it's the only time they ever did this, obviously. But they they really leaned into live instrumentation and mm-hmm. guitars and drums and focusing a lot more on like features and really building out a world that's not clinical or cold or robotic sounding like yeah most of the songs i don't even think really sound robotic in any way shape or form definitely like get lucky i don't think puts off that vibe except no. for the one part you know mm-hmm. um where it's very clearly them <laughs> but um like some of those features are really really interesting like when you talk about like oh this is like contemporary music and this is the influence that i'm looking into now you have people like pharrell mm-hmm. you have julian casablancas you have um Paul Williams, like just this really eclectic but still grounded group of people where, I mean, there's definitely people that listen to all of those musicians at the same time, but I think having them on that same album kind of brings together those influences and says like, hey, this can be a scope that you can be really interested in and enjoy. It definitely did that for me. And and there's a clear like talent search from Daft Punk's features. Like you see a lot of features and it's like, oh, you're clearly going to do this because you're in the same field. Uh-huh. You know, it's like sure. Pop Smoke's going to have this you know, <laughs> feature because it just sounds great, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, like, they chose Julian Casablancas not because that name was going to draw in a ton of people. It's because the voice was going to work. Right. You know, and nobody else was going to be able to do that or write that verse, you know. So I just, I think that's a really fun album to go back to. All that to say that I think, I, I've definitely heard some people say, like, oh, Daft Punk's cool, but, like, why is everybody so torn up about it? It's It's such a huge shift yeah that we're talking about like losing daft punk make it puts into perspective that they had a huge influence on electronic music rap music pop music rock everything yeah and they just brought uh, like every demographic together for Mm -hmm. random access memories Mm -hmm. and then i think they got they reached their like everybody knew them they Mm -hmm. were huge yeah and then they disappeared yeah, and it, it chilled it, out with the weekend and then bowed out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they brought in music in like the early two thousands that still sounds futuristic and new today. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, um, so I guess we're for... we're ready to dive in a little bit. Oh boy, to to what we're kind of getting into. Um, we want to talk a little bit about industrial hip hop, and yeah. by a little bit, I mean like probably over thirty minutes. <laughs> probably most of this podcast. Probably most of the podcast. So. Don't bow out just yet. It's going to be interesting. Um, So I I wrote down the question here as the popularity of industrial hip-hop has exploded over the course of the last decade or so. So you have artists like Death Grips, Danny Brown, JPEG Mafia, and Clipping, which have catapulted in popularity, due largely to that sort of aforementioned genre. Like, that's what brought them up. How are these artists working to bring hip-hop into a new era? Okay. Well, hmm. I don't. I wouldn't say they bring. They would bring all of hip hop to a new era. I think there's a particular niche that they scratch, 
Mm-hmm. But, I mean, JPEG Mafia, I'd say, out of that, I guess, and Danny Brown, but I think JPEG definitely mm-hmm. shifts more towards industrial. He's yeah. probably the biggest yeah. now out of that. And sort of, it's awesome that now there's a lot more experimental tracks and people mm-hmm. aren't just li- looking for snares and bass. Like, yeah. people want more sound and yeah. more of it. And I think part of that has to do with his, you know, obsession with the hip-hop. I mean, not hip-hop, the internet. Mm-hmm. And he, ta- you know, he a lot of his tracks, yeah. titles, for example... I mean, there's one, I forget what it is, it's off Cornballs, something, something waifu, yeah. <laughs> and things like that, where he has it, he almost brings this 4chan style of comedy. Yeah, no, he's he's extremely tuned in to, like, current trends and social justice, like, everything that yeah. you can possibly think of at that moment. And it never feels in. forced, either. No, it's always, it's like, not. just, this is where he's going with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be part of it, and I think it's just the Im- the internet's impact on people. Yeah. Uh we're kind of at this age where everybody's doing remixes of remixes, you know, with mm-hmm. TikTok, even Vine for a while there. It was like people are okay with hearing the same thing mm-hmm. and hearing that expanded on. And I think that's a lot of what sort of an industrial sound does. It mm-hmm. takes certain sounds and just makes something wholly new with it. I don't know. That's just me kind of meandering about it. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, JPEG Mafia is a really interesting case study when you're talking about industrial hip-hop, because he's sort of broken into, like, a semi-mainstream yeah. sort of area where he's not on every album, of course. No. But he's he's starting to be featured on more popular musicians' mm-hmm. you know, discographies. I mean, he has a Gorillaz feature, <laughs> you know, and I, I wouldn't have thought that would exist two years ago. Yeah. Um, he was on Denzel Curry's album. I mean, you know, both of those artists have had major mainstream hits, you Definitely. know? Definitely. So it's it's been interesting to see how somebody who's almost entire sort of ego comes off as like internet born and raised yeah like his let's entire, put a cursor on the album cover his entire character is built on being polarizing yeah which is why it's funny that people are drawn to him nonetheless like yeah I, man jpeg's crazy man yeah. <laughs> i mean I, my next question was like what separates them from each other so to continue talking about jpeg mafia it's that edge of like pure digital era like aggression yeah <laughs> and, and even non-aggression in some cases but like definitely like later half of veteran and as we yeah you know cornballs is a lot more melodic mm-hmm. um he i i have this theory that sort of with the first half of veteran he develops this sort of language and style yeah that the listener becomes familiar with with yeah. those early bangers on the track yeah like, it's easily the most approachable of right that stuff it'll It'll scare off people who don't want to listen to, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, in the, the background the, uh, as old production. dirty bastard sample. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, as the album progresses, it's able to use this sound that he's created, which would otherwise be polarizing, and yeah. turn it into something a lot more beautiful with, mm-hmm. you know, the guitar and just, mm-hmm. you know, melodic vocals, which I think is kind of genius. But. Yeah he takes what is initially supposed to be an ugly sound and turns it into something a lot more beautiful and mm-hmm. even remorseful in some tracks. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple that just, like, blow my mind, especially when I first heard them. Like, I remember Germs mm-hmm. was one where I was like, I cannot imagine going into the studio yeah. and putting those sounds together and making a coherent beat and song out of it. And then it was Macaulay Culkin, which I had mm-hmm. revisited recently, which is just so 
introspective mm-hmm. and just sort of talking about like where he's at, where he wants to go and this like journey and it's just so Yeah. And it's still it still has appeals to the kind of heavier hitting sound, mm-hmm. but at its core it's this sort of yeah. melodic ballad almost. Yeah, kind of like Rainbow Six. Yeah. Like, like Rainbow Six is one of my favorite songs on that album because it's 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 the only longer song on there I feel like or yeah. one of the longer songs on there. And it's got some feature from somebody I cannot remember his name, but it's it's just like this very long-winded like mm-hmm. manifesto type of song <laughs> that just it's great to listen to. I, I really enjoyed it as a as industrial hip hop fan, you know. Yeah, it, I not everybody's gonna enjoy that, you know. But like rock and roll is dead is a great <laughs> yeah, song that's too. Classic. That I mean, just like the way he puts those melodies together is not what you'd initially yeah. expect from the song. Like the the first song is. Uh, an address. It's fifteen thirty nine North Calvert, yeah, something like that, something, something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's the only song <laughs> that is like approachable. And I, <laughs> yeah. I say that confidently. That's the only song where I hear the beat and I'm like, somebody who's never heard of him before would enjoy this. And there's a reason for that. And it's because it's the first song on the album. Mm-hmm. It's designed to gotta pull draw, you in. Gotta draw some people in. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's there's a song called "Baby I'm Bleeding" on Veteran that is is so close to a Death Grip song <laughs> that it's I, almost derivative. It's almost derivative. It's not, but it's close. Yeah. And it's, I think it also is designed to pull people in, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, Cornballs kind of goes off the wall from there. Yeah, definitely. How did you feel about Cornballs? I like it. It's not veteran. It's mm-hmm. certainly not veteran. Um, I think he accomplishes what he set out to accomplish with Cornballs on veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's good. It's almost derivative <laughs> it's, it's, of himself. Yeah, it's a listenable album. Yeah. I would revisit Veteran any day, though. Yeah. No, it's, it definitely feels a little bit more, like, coherent. And I, I remember reading a story that he, he put out where he talked about the different album process. And I think you can notice this in the music, too. Um, he said he spent several years on the beats for Veteran and, like, was very <laughs> perfectionist about every yeah. single aspect of that album. And you can hear it mm-hmm. 100%. Like, every sound is meticulously placed to make it sound the way it does but still be listenable, quote-unquote. Cornballs, he said he had, like, 90 tracks. He trimmed it down from there, put it out in a year. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very different process. And I think for him it works in some ways, you know. I mean, it definitely sounded more like JPEG Mafia. It was less derivative mm-hmm. of anybody else. Right. You know, it was, it was more experimental. It was more interesting in some ways. There are a couple of songs that I think are legitimately his best. Like, I think Free the Frail is one of his better yeah. songs made, you know. Um, and that has nothing to do with industrial hip-hop, hardly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a different genre entirely. But um, it did show off his singing skills a little bit more, which is something that's really underappreciated. Yeah, he and he's a good vocalist. Yeah. Like, and sort of the same way people say, like, Paul McCartney wasn't the best bassist, but he knew where mm-hmm. the bass needed to be. Peggy knows where yeah. vocals need to be, and he knows what'll fit just perfectly. And while he's not, you know classically trained or anything like that he knows what will sound right where it needs to be yeah which is you know he's a producer so it makes sense yeah (laughs) and uh he dropped a couple of eps over the last year or two yeah and i would argue his eps are a lot more accessible absolutely mainstream audience and i think it's a good thing i'm glad that's a direction he's going in yeah um i love veteran for what it is but i think he could change you know we go back to changing Mm-hmm. you know how hip-hop looks now i think he could mm-hmm. very easily with by moving into a more mainstream yeah. sound and he still works in 
you know, his quirks and mannerisms. Yeah, He yeah, continues yeah. that language. Well, it's it's cool when you talk about JPEG Mafia because he's been doing this for, like, almost 10 years. Like, <laughs> he's he's been making music for a long time. He yeah. just broke into, not necessarily the mainstream, but, like, musical spheres. Yeah. With Veteran. That was it's what crazy. brought him in. And it, before that, he was still making perfectly mm-hmm. competent, like, interesting <laughs> music that's still worth listening to. He did, like, a Call Me Maybe cover, <laughs> which is actually good. I don't, I don't understand why. <laughs> but um, it, it shows that he's, like, still a developing artist, and he's yeah. not saying, like, oh, well, now that I'm in the mainstream, let me sell out. Right. And no. just, like, make something that, quote, sounds good. Mm-mm. He's still just developing as an artist the way he wants to, uh-huh. which I, I think is admirable. Um, speaking of developing into an admirable artist, Death Grips. <laughs> death Grips is rough to talk about because yeah, whatever like the Death Grip album I listened to is entirely reliant on yeah my emotional state at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you've got Money Store, which is just back to back bangers. Yeah, it's it's a pop electronic rap album. I don't know how yeah, else to call it's, it. It's just as I maybe not just as aggressive, but it's as aggressive yeah. as the rest of their stuff. It's mm. just it's more structured listenable. as a pop album. It's it's the most listenable industrial hip hop album I've I've heard. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I, like I, I can't think of one that's more you know yeah I easily feel like get got. I mean, being the first track on that album, it's like you're instantly in this sphere of like mm-hmm. this is something that. Yeah. wouldn't play on the radio, but, but if it did, you, you wouldn't be you surprised. Wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be that mad. Yeah. You'd be mad, but you wouldn't be that mad, <laughs> you know? Like, I, I, I know people from high school that would never deviate from, like, Maroon 5. You know, like, they, they have no, <laughs> yeah. you know, interest in, like, going any deeper or anything like that. But, and I think Death Grips comes back to the idea that I think a lot of industrial hip-hop is mm-hmm. routed in the internet. Yeah. You know, someone we completely overlooked, Injury Reserve. Yeah, yeah, Who's yeah. another industrial hip-hop group yeah uh, i think the line that always comes to mind and has come to mind for jpeg and comes to mind for death grips is the line mm-hmm. of um this not that jazz rap this that spaz rap mm-hmm. um born on the internet raised on the internet ain't got no dad rap like yeah. that's what this music is yeah, no it's yeah because it's it's like a lot of rap since maybe kanye west going back to tribe called quest it's all based on like chill laid back samples that was everything that people wanted to hear ever since wu-tang clan Mm -hmm. you know and it's we're finally getting past that point i feel like where rap is starting to really branch out and be recognized not only be performed but be recognized as something that can be so like divergent in so many different ways like we're we're, we're getting to a point where people aren't writing it off as a subgenre that's not worth listening to in comparison like it's it's just as strong as pop or rock as like an entrenched and it can, it, genre with so many different things. I would argue it. rap and hip hop is can be more diverse than yeah. any other well, yeah. sound because you can incorporate it all. You know, yeah. you, you can jazz works onto Pimp a Butterfly just mm-hmm. as much as old dirty bastards. You know, voc- uh, yeah. sample on um, yeah. JPEG Mafia track. It's it's less just, restrictive. You can just weave it all in because at the end of the day, rap is percussion. Yeah, and percussion goes with anything. That 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 you're absolutely right. No, it, the way the way rock is guitar. Yeah, rap is percussion, and percussion's just a little bit easier to because you have to have a beat. Uh huh. Right, and it, it can be produced, it can be live, but you have to have a beat, or mm-hmm. nobody's gonna listen to your spoken word rap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but going back to Death Grips, they they do percussion. Oh boy, they do very blown out percussion. Yeah. So they will 
rip your ears off percussion. <laughs> Death Grips is they're a duo, aren't they? Technically. So it's it's um, MC Ride who's the main vocalist, yeah. and then you have Zach Hill who I believe is the drummer. He's the drummer, yeah. Yeah, and then they have a producer. I can't remember. Okay, they have. Yeah. So it's it's a trio, I believe. But initially, a- you know, Andy when, is it Andy? I don't know. Some, something like that, yeah. But initially, when they got together, it was MC Ride met Zach Hill, mm-hmm. and man, what they I just. They they're off the wall. They also didn't like start out or like go into a sound that was worth listening to. Their entire discography has been extremely consistently well reviewed mm-hmm. and well liked by critics since their inception. Like the only artists I can think of that comes close is like maybe Frank Ocean. Like yeah, like maybe. people where there's legitimately no album that's even contentious. No, oh, yeah. Like, if a critic likes Death Grips, they like all of it. Yeah. And it's not because they're like, oh, this all sounds the same, but I still like it. It's all extremely different. Every album's a different (laughs) vibe, and it's so bizarre because, you know, coming off of something like Ex Military, which is off the wall. All sample. It's it's off the wall sampling. An album that you can't even play on Spotify because all of it is sampling, except for Guillotine. They (laughs) won't allow it. Yeah, like they. But it just shows the range that. You know, something as simple as sampling can take on mm-hmm. and completely be just flipped upside down. Ex Militaries. I mean, if if you're gonna listen to Death Grip, start with Ex Military. I, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say. I guess Money Store may be the most listenable, mm-hmm. but Ex Military shows you exactly what you're getting into throughout mm-hmm. all of Death Grips. That's true. No, it's absolutely. the only Death Grips album that I could say that about. I think. That that it represents the rest of it. Yeah. I I think I'd agree with that. Maybe absolutely. Powers That Be. Maybe. But it's still, I mean, that's such a, like, cinematic album. I don't yeah. know. It's hard with Death Grips, man. But, like, they, they've gone from, let, let's see, let's let's go through this. They've gone from sampling, <laughs> sampling heavy. Sampling Marilyn Manson. <laughs> sampling Marilyn Manson. Not Marilyn. Charles Manson. Charles Manson, my bad. Not Marilyn Manson. Um, sampling Charles Manson on the first song, which is a bold <laughs> risk to take. Um, I roll the nickels, man. <laughs> which is a fantastic song, too, which is <gasps> crazy. Um, to pop industrial hip-hop. To... Pop industrial hip hop that's way more toned down, mm-hmm. but still very very interesting. Has weird syncopated beats and stuff. To <laughs> Powers That Be, which is like this insane double album. That's a monstrosity. That samples Bjork on the second half, <laughs> like the entire time. Man. And then it goes to essentially the Money Store Part Two. <laughs> to but but different. Mm-hmm. To whatever the year of the snitch was. God, you're, when Black Paint first yeah. was released, it already set the scope of what that album was going to be. Mm-hmm. Just a lot more heavy metal influence. Yeah. That, oh man, it's just, they're just so holistically brilliant. Yeah, I mean, no, which every... is crazy because if you show anybody an isolated Death Grips track, they will tell you to turn it off. Yeah, no, they absolutely. will. Yeah. If they don't know what they're getting into, they'll they'll, turn, they'll tell you turned off. Yeah, but the, um, it's hard to talk about Death Grips, man. It, it really is. It's it's something that I I can't I can't recommend you listen to it. Like that that would be going too far. <laughs> but if you're interested in that genre, I think it's the quintessential artist. Definitely. I mean, I've talked about this on several podcasts, but there are some genres that have quintessential artists. So like Nirvana for grunge, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Death Grips for industrial hip hop. Like that's yeah. That's indisputable you know um but going back to sort of my line of questioning for you Mm -hmm. um 
does production outweigh their skills as like rappers on some of these artists? So we didn't really get into as much like Danny Brown or clipping in that particular instance, but I think they could be applied here too. Yeah, I think it depends on the artist. Um, I think with Death Grips, nobody listens to Death Grips for lyricism. No. It's definitely, I mean, certainly this is lyricism, but it's definitely about what word and what sounds Mm -hmm. within that vocal will sound the best within the realm of the production. And there's a character in Death Grips. Like, MC Roddy's playing a character. Uh Uh-huh. Very angry But that character character is insane. Like, there there is no guiding line for, like, what he will say. Only that that character would say that. Which is, and the funny thing is, MC Ride is, if you listen to interviews, he's a very well-articulated gentleman. Yeah, he he clearly, like, (laughs) has read a lot. Which makes sense, because he's just... About all kinds of stuff. When it comes to diction, it's really good stuff. Yeah. On a scale of sound, like, just... Mm -hmm getting you to feel what you need to feel, which is the core of music. Mm, He's definitely approaching it from, like, a linguist point. Yeah. Like, a linguist point of view. But, I mean, I guess with Death Grips, yeah. Production is everything. Production is everything. Sound is everything. And I'd I'd say that for... Would I say that for Danny Brown? Danny Brown, it's about the voice. Yeah, I mean, I would say Danny Brown's definitely vocalism over mm. production not yeah. to a huge extent especially no. on atrocity exhibition yeah but on something like triple x it's um, all voice yeah that's and what makes him different what a voice no. <laughs> i mean it's crazy you danny brown's got this way of there are times i'll listen to his songs and forget that it's him mm-hmm. because he's not doing his iconic yelp mm-hmm. which on triple x i think like the first half of it is the yelp mm-hmm. because what he said about Triple X is the first half of Triple X is the highs of drugs. It's yeah. how drugs make you feel. It's the party experience. You know, it's mm-hmm. blunt after blunt. Yeah. But then the second half of the album is this dark underside of mm-hmm. drugs and what they've really done to him. Yeah. No, Which, all, all of his albums have that undercurrent. Yeah. Like, and that's the, what, like their theming is all based around like the ups and downs of drug use, which is such an interesting way to do it considering the fact that he's using just insane beats oh yeah and this uh, abrasive is the right word voice i would say yeah but it's still a very interesting one and one worth listening to because that voice adds so much to i'd call it the cognitive dissonance that he's trying to portray Mm -hmm. if you're a film major or if you're anybody interested in this kind of stuff you have to watch the ain't it funny music video directed directed by jonah hill that is one of my favorite music videos Mm -hmm. because it there is nothing that more perfectly encapsulates what he's trying to say in a song. Essentially what the music accurately. video is, is it's this sitcom. And the sitcom is, you know, your modern family sort of thing. Mm-hmm. However, and He plays like the deadbeat uncle. Yeah, he plays Uncle Danny. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is the audience and the characters within this sitcom mm-hmm. making fun of him and laughing at him for being such a burnout mm-hmm. while he's very evidently killing himself, which mm-hmm. is indicative of the way that he's felt he's been treated by the industry. Yeah, because the, the audience in the music video will start laughing at him only when he's talking about things that seriously impact his life. And, like, <laughs> he's very clearly having a bad time. Like, like if he's doing something funny, like, for the sake of the show, everybody's, like, laughing a little bit. But if he's, like, I have a serious problem with drug usage, everybody <laughs> just goes insane in the crowd. And it, it's just, it's this really damning, like, <laughs> introspection. Yeah, it's just, it's like, yeah, it's... 
and it shows like what a music video can do because you wouldn't get that mm -mm. from the song if you didn't see the video. And I think that's what Danny Brown is someone who is like his discography is his personality and who he is, mm -hmm. and it's not a character. It is no, Danny Brown. And that, that makes so much. Yeah, it's it's hit. really heavy, and I think that's at the end of the day what really turned me on to the industrial hip hop sound is mm -hmm. a lot of it. Danny Brown clipping, who we'll get into soon because mm -hmm. they're probably the ones I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. They use these sort of raw, this raw production mm -hmm. to look at this seedy underground of the life that hip hop has come to. I wouldn't say it started out romanticizing, but mm -hmm. has begun to romanticize. Mm -hmm. Sort of, I mean, with Danny Brown, it's he had reached a point in his life where. He was trying to quit drugs, but every single party he'd go to, they were like, oh, he's the drug guy. He mm -hmm. made Triple X. He made Blunt After Blunt. Mm -hmm. Let's give him a bunch of Coke. Let's yeah. give him anything that'll get him going Which crazy. Which is an extremely dangerous. Yeah, and it it's just, it's it, going to surrounded by enablers. Time. Yeah. And after Atrocity Exhibition, which just shows, like, that is sort of going into the pit of hell. No, it's it, the first track is called The Downward Spiral. <laughs> and it, the entire point of the track is to show you, like, this entire album is going to go deeper and deeper into the problems that come with drug use. Yeah. Like, the first part of it is it's so high energy mm -hmm. and designed to give you the feeling of what it would be like, in music at least, yeah. like, what it would feel like to take these hard drugs. But then that back half is just like, these are all of the repercussions. And yeah. they are real, and they will happen to you. They've happened to me. And right after Atrocity Exhibition, he completely cleaned himself up. Yeah. He quit drugs. He cut his hair, which had been sort of... Mm -hmm. He had this sort of wild haircut that was mm -hmm. sort of indicative of what people would think and, of. And like he's, he's talked about it. Yeah. addicted to crack cocaine would look like. Mm -hmm. and, like, very stereotypical. And yeah, he, he's talked about this. You know, so it's not his, just like, his teeth, we're not derived Yeah. Here. His teeth were completely missing. He, like, barely had most of his teeth. Mm -hmm. And now he's cut his hair down. He's gotten his teeth back. He's mm -hmm. writing a children's book slash wrote mm -hmm. a children's book. Yeah. And he wants to focus on his kids, which brings us yeah. to his last album. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, it's a happy album. No, it's it's insanely happy. He, he got, um... Q-tip of a tribe called Quest <laughs> to, I believe, executive produce it, correct? Yeah. And it, it, that is such a different sound. Yeah, and it's Danny Brown. Definitely, It's got his same sense of humor, a level of his cynicism, but without the just low self-esteem and yeah, self-worth. The, the inherent that, sadness. That come with Triple X and Atrocity Exhibition, which, I mean, that's not to say that they're lesser albums. They, they, they might be better albums. Yeah. But you know. it just, it was such a cathartic moment seeing him mm -hmm. completely change because yeah. we'd been on this journey with him since Triple X. Mm -hmm. So, man, Danny Brown, yeah. what a guy. Dude, I, I remember listening to Atrocity Exhibition and, and finally getting used to the voice. You know, I, I listened to tracks back and forth and yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to go through this album now that I'm used to his sort of sound. Because it, it takes a little bit. It does. It absolutely does, but it's, it's worth it. And hearing Tell Me What I Don't Know is really interesting mm -hmm. after doing that because you're like, wait, he can rap? quote unquote normally <laughs> and it's like all of the crazy beats are gone it's just a basic percussion mm -hmm. you know and it's it's his like normal low voice <laughs> but the reason he's doing that is not because he wants to you know change it up he's doing it because he's talking about something so serious yeah like it's, it's one of his friends from years and years ago who died at a liquor store mm -hmm. and it's just like there's no 
better way to showcase that that's like an extremely serious, you know, I want to talk about this from a realistic point of view than to just drop the character, yeah, drop the insane beat, and just talk about it, you know? And it, it just shows that, like, it's, it's a storytelling tool, mm-hmm. you know? And by taking it away or putting it into his music, it, it really flushes it out and makes it interesting. So highly recommend Danny Brown as well. Um, you mentioned clipping. Okay, let's let's talk about clipping. This is um, this is Matt's real. There, clipping's the group that I would say is one. probably the first contemporary hip hop group that I ever became really really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, the honest story of how I uncovered clipping mm-hmm. was. I, I think was, I think a lot of people had this to the same. Because <laughs> we, you know, I was in theater in high school, and you know, obviously the vocalist or MC from Clipping is Dougie yeah. Diggs of Hamilton fame. Yeah. So he played Jefferson and Lafayette. And he's, I read this review of Hamilton, basically every single person steps on the stage and they give a very musical theater performance of rapping. Mm-hmm. Even someone like Leslie Odom Jr., you mm-hmm. know it's not an MC. But when David Diggs walks on stage, like, you know he's a rapper. You mm-hmm. know he's been doing this all his life. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, all this to say, some kids in my theater group were like, listen to David Diggs' album. Like, this is some mm-hmm. group called Clipping. And they play it, and they're like, isn't this, like, nasty, dude? This is so, like, garbage. I never listen mm-hmm. to this. And obviously, at first, I was like, what, what, what is going on? Right. But right. then I got back onto it. And, yeah. Clipping's had me ever since. Just yeah, f- the first track on Mid City, which is their first album, mm-hmm. it starts out with just this high, piercing wail of like, I mean, it's clipping, is what it, you know, it's yeah. audio clipping. That's why they call themselves clipping, is because right. a lot of their production is just audio clipping. Right. And then David's vocals come in with you know, it's clipping, bitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they grab you there, and then he's just such a brilliant lyricist yeah yeah he 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 definitely falls into the lyricist over production although that's not to say their production isn't fantastic Mm -hmm. it's i wouldn't even say that i would say i mean clipping is hmm. they might be both i think it's both because they they have tracks like what's the title of the track with the alarm clock uh that's um get up yeah off of their self-titled god get up is i tried to play that yeah that's off clipping that'll that'll get you taken off of the ox Definitely. 100%. I played it for my dad, and he's like, I don't want to hear an alarm clock going off. But the way yeah. this... Oh, man. So it starts off with this alarm clock. The mm-hmm. uh, uh, like, uh, like, single-handedly, uh, the worst sound you can possibly yeah. put on an album like, for somebody to enjoy it. And as the song goes on and you get past that, you've got, obviously, David's lyricism to bring you and through. And he's, he's going off. He's going ham. Yeah. <laughs> and then they find this you know, major chord mm-hmm. by splitting the alarm clock and pitching it down mm-hmm. so that it becomes this major chord while a feature comes on, this female vocalist comes mm-hmm. and sings this, like, idyllic... Dude, it sounds gorgeous. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to the alarm clock, which, mm-hmm. in, at that point, you're not even mad anymore. Because right, because they're like, wait, this like, is You awesome. know what it can be. Yeah. You know what the alarm clock can be used for. And... Oh man. And and the the music video for that song is incredible. 
Oh it's, yeah, the music so, video. So David is, is on the ground on just like this blank background, and at, at first it's just him in like a t-shirt just rapping. Yeah. And over the course of the video, you realize that he's been shot. <laughs> so there's this like little tiny bit of blood on his shirt, and over the course of the video, it's just getting larger and larger and larger and larger. And, and it's every just, single time, it's a gorgeously shot. Yeah, and every video. single time that the you know major chord comes back, and the vocalist starts singing, it's like god's looking down on him or like he sees you know mm-hmm. the entrance to heaven and you know it becomes super highly exposed lights are just flooding the set mm-hmm. and he's looking up to it and like levitating off the ground before yeah. coming back down to keep like rapping yeah oh and i yeah all this to say i started out i just was sort of put off by them but then i realized what they could be and that's what brings us to you know we were just talking about clipping which is their self-titled album Mm-hmm. which takes mid city would be sort of it's gritty as you said raw every first album is raw clipping completely takes it to this thematic level mm-hmm. where i would say almost every track is a story like it's a it's an isolated narrative mm-hmm. all of them looking at sort of what is it what's the life of a hitman what's right. the life of a drug dealer what's the life of a drug addict what's the i mean or, dang, the first track, I think, on Clipping is Bodies and Blood, mm-hmm. which is this bizarre narrative about a woman who seduces men so that she can kill them. Mm-hmm. And the whole background is drills and, like, mm-hmm. chainsaws and all of this used like for... Like Black the... and Decker power tools. Yeah, like, it's a Nine Inch Nails, like, level yeah. of production. It's, 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 just it's just Trent Reznor. <laughs> and, God, he... And still... With this, these, I don't want to say awful sound, but like this off-putting sound, yeah. this dark narrative, it's a beautiful track. Yeah. Like, it's almost woman power, it's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, turning off the male gaze mm-hmm. and sort of criticizing men yeah. for, you know, trying to just go after women. But it's also like a kick-ass song. And it's just so fun. Yeah. You don't need you for shit. It's your dick and your guts and your veins in your... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Wow. That alone, I think, that was one that I played on repeat. Mm-hmm. But the whole album is this way where it's got these deep investigations into different people's lives. And I think mm-hmm. that's really where it heads. And then... They're, 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 I want to talk a little bit about their last two albums, which was originally supposed to be a double album. They ended up releasing it separately. Was it, was it due to COVID? Uh, I don't think so. I think they just they had some. Uh, they just for realized it. there was so much. I think. Right. They just right. kept writing tracks. But um, it was the first one was in 2019, 2020? Oh, I can't even remember honestly. It, twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's it's there existed an addiction to blood, mm-hmm. and then they released their second album a year or so later. Yeah. Roughly called uh, "Visions of Bodies Being Burned," and obviously these are both like very terrifying album titles, <laughs> and the covers are like clearly referential to each other. Like they're designed to go together. And, I mean. I know it's not your favorite, but we do have to talk about Splendor and Misery before yeah. we get into them. Yeah. Splendor of Misery is essentially this slave tale about a slave in space who mm-hmm. escapes a spaceship, or commandeers a spaceship, and mm-hmm. then falls in love with the spaceship. Yeah. And all while this is going on, you have these like slave working songs that mm-hmm. come in in this static radio. Oof. I mean, it... 
Seth says it's not his favorite, which is... It's not my favorite album. I still think it's insanely interesting. Yeah. And very interesting conceptually. But just, this is definitely direct influence from his time with Hamilton. Right. Sort of seeing the way that each song can lead into a whole narrative. And so he does that with Splendor and Misery. Misery. Mm -hmm. And then we come on to the diptych, you know, the horror diptych, which Mm -hmm. is uh, there existed an addiction to blood and visions of bodies being burned, which they completely subvert horrorcore as a genre. And mm-hmm. I'm so scared to call it horrorcore, but it's horrorcore. But that's what it is. Yeah. And it's like, rap I think horrorcore. When you think about horrorcore, you think of, I don't know, Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. Some people would call Stan a horrorcore song, mm-hmm. things like that. I would, I would say Stan would, would be yeah. similar. But like, some, like a storytelling, heavy, longer form, yeah. production, you know, emphasis, like horror story kind of thing. But often a lot of it then, or how it used to be, I'd say, in early 2000s and late 90s. Like Marshall Mathers LP kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of edgy for the sake of being edgy. Absolutely. Whereas there existed an addiction to blood and visions of bodies being burned. They don't have that problem. No, because they're completely, like, attacking the American justice system. I mean, uh, what's it, Mala, La Mala Ordena? It's something like that, yeah. Which is this track about like I think it's drug cartels and mm-hmm. you know dang like it's yeah it's not it, drugs aren't the hip-hop sensation that mm-hmm. you know we kind of now have come to a point where you know we've got songs like molly and mm-hmm. things like that which yeah very largely romanticize that stuff absolutely but yeah. then la mala ordina like gets to the core of what like cocaine does to people and the people who are just completely eviscerated by drug cartels and chopped up and like it gets into this deep deep dive into just the horror of it all and i think they realized with making those two albums and the reason that they made it two albums because they realized that horrorcore as a genre is like the perfect vessel for talking about these social justice issues yeah. that they've been talking about, not just for these two albums, but in Splendor and Misery and in uh-huh. Clipping, Self-Titled, and just all of these other... You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's just an incredible way of fusing them together, which isn't in present in stuff like Danny Brown's, which is much more self-referential. Yeah. Or talking about, uh, you know, Death Grips, which is much more just, like, insane hip-hop. And I, and I think you know? it makes sense, because with Danny Brown, he's talking about his own experiences, whereas, like, yeah. make no mistake, David Diggs went to UCLA. Like, he, yeah. he, he's not really the... He's not that intense of a guy. Right. Like, he's... But no, he, he was in Hamilton, man. <laughs> he was in Hamilton. He, he was Jefferson. You know, he's awesome. <laughs> but um, I, I, I view I view him as a very like egot contender kind of guy. <laughs> like I could like very childish Gambino. Like uh-huh. I could see you in several years like having all four Academy yeah. Awards. You know, and I mean, but he does a really great job of just looking into the lives of people that are affected by. I mean, mm-hmm. on visions of bodies being burned, and I mean both of them completely attack like police brutality yeah which i mean what was that track they had chapter 17 i think which became like a tiktok sound yeah which which is in and of itself weird to think funny to think about clipping becoming a tiktok sound but also it makes sense yeah given timing yeah you're i mean the line that became a TikTok sound is Donald Trump is a white supremacist. No, stop. If you yeah. vote for him, you are a white supremacist. Yeah. Completely condemning sort of the yeah. right. Which... Like, like no room for 
Yeah, no yeah, room to misconstruing that just message. An yeah. attack and yeah, talking about George Floyd mm-hmm. and all of what was going on at the time and is going on still. Mm-hmm. Even if we've gotten to a point where the internet's decided not to hop on the trend anymore, like right. we're over that. It's still happening. And Absolutely, I think that's what makes these albums so important. Is they show the horror that we're living in. Yeah. It, it didn't that, go away mm-hmm. in any way, we, shape, or form. While people with privilege like me and you can mm-hmm. just, you know, <laughs> put a black screen on our Instagram yeah. page and then, you know, call it a day. I've done my justice. No. No. <laughs> like, like it's to, it's an active this thing. This is a constant battle. Like Right. There, there, there are systemic are, underpinnings that people like clipping or pointing out that aren't going to go away by simply acknowledging it and moving it on. Right. Y- you have to constantly recognize that these are problems and go into it understanding that and continue to push for equality in all right. aspects of life. But, I mean, I would say, like, if you don't, if there's anything you want to get out of clipping, listen to their horror diptych. Mm-hmm. Which is again, uh, there existed an addiction to blood and um, visions of bodies being yeah, burned. They're, it's they're, just they're, so important right they're, now. They're very similar album covers. You'll absolutely know what he's talking about if you yeah. look it up, one hundred percent. And then uh, clipping has it's all lowercase stylization with like a period at the end. So yeah. if you can't find it, that's why. Um, but it's it's fairly popular. It should pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're actually almost out of time. Oh. But really? we got some really good conversation because I, I did want to talk to you a little bit about industrial hip hop mm-hmm. because I think it's it's underappreciated, it's overappreciated. There, there's a lot of and it's room a sound for it's just going to continue to yeah. grow. Especially like I said, Death Grips and JPEG Mafia are so tuned into the internet. Mm-hmm. Like Death Grips has this accidental direct association with Anthony Fantano now. Yeah. He's completely brought them to like mm-hmm. this meme status. Well, yeah, because like internet critics like him and a bunch of other people are just they are continually telling people like this is what you should be listening yeah. to. This is what's gonna happen with music. It, it's almost like exactly what happened to Radiohead twenty years ago. Right. You know, people heard OK Computer and Kid A and went to Pitchfork and they were like, well, "This is perfect music." Mm-hmm. So it made Radiohead as big as they are today, despite the fact that like when you listen to their music, like it's great. It's great stuff, but it's. You wouldn't expect it to be the critical darling Certainly. that it is, regardless of how the music is. Like, despite how different each album is. Yeah, which is an understatement for Death Grips. Because yeah. Again, you turn on Death Grips for someone who's not ready for Death Grips, they will yeah, tell you. They, they will. Same with clipping. Yeah. <laughs> Same with clipping. But if they, if you tell them it's David Diggs, they'll they'll give it a chance. <laughs> it's like, no, this is a guy from Hamilton. I promise. <laughs> I mean, that's how that's how you got into it. So you know, yeah, I if, if you can do it. it but from yeah, 2015 theater kid. Anybody can like do it. Almost anti hip hop at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was, but yeah. And just just to say with industrial hip hop, like, I a lot of people write off hip hop in so many different forms just because they're not used to it. And I think it, it can be said that like if you don't enjoy you know more typical like you know if you didn't enjoy Wu Tang when you listen to it or you didn't enjoy a Tribe Called Quest, which is hard to think about, but but you, <laughs> you ended up not enjoying it. That's not to say there isn't a genre that you could enjoy. If you enjoy, like, hard rock and metal, there's a lot more associations with industrial hip-hop than with these other artists, and it's worth checking them out despite the fact that they aren't as recognized as of right now. I think they're going to be more recognized in the future. Like, going into this decade, 
I, I, I would make the prediction that this type of hip-hop is going to become much, much more prevalent Definitely. with groups like Brockhampton or with um, artists like Slow Tie or, you know, yeah. even a bunch of older artists coming back like ASAP Rocky. You know, I mean, they're, they're all trying to incorporate... Testing was... Yeah. I mean, while it was... A lot of people didn't like it. Um, it was a highly industrial yeah influenced album yeah and i really like i mean babushka boy is too yeah which was you know more critically acclaimed yeah you know, it's just a single but and, and when i bring up Brockhampton, I'm, I'm more specifically talking about iridescence here iridescence, like yeah. that that is wholeheartedly industrial hip-hop at least for part of it iridescence you know? and like sister nation yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> one song off of saturation three <laughs> um but but no you're absolutely right um but yeah I, i'd say that's a pretty good primer on industrial hip hop, and I'm glad you were here to, yeah, no, to I'm ring it in. Happy to do it. I, yeah, it's huge for me. I mean, clipping was they originated a lot of my taste in music. Yeah, for sure. So, so as a, as a recap, we talked a little bit about Death Grips, uh, industrial hip hop trio. We talked about clipping, which is David Diggs's group. Do you, you want know. to give like albums that people should start with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Group? So for each group, I would say for Death Grips, The Money Store or Ex-Military. Money, yeah. Depending on availability, right? Money You're going to have to go on YouTube for Ex-Military. Yeah, Ex-Military is only accessible through YouTube and SoundCloud. But, but Money Store is going to be the one that you're probably going to want to listen to if you want to just enjoy it first. Uh-huh. Uh, Danny Brown, Atrocity, Atrocity Exhibition. Exhibition. Which I yeah. think weaves the two sides of, you know what I'm saying, and Triple X into yeah. one, and story. it's the most critically acclaimed as uh-huh. well. Um, JPEG Mafia, veteran, veteran, easily. But if you enjoy singing more, all my heroes are cornballs. And I'd say, I mean, wow, the EPs really are worth it his too. whole discography. But like, his EPs are a lot more, yeah, kind of accessible. So yeah, if you easily just digestible. Listen to bangers. Yeah, yeah, fix yourself. And then clipping, I'm gonna let you handle that. Oh boy, <laughs> personally, I think the best album to get into for clipping is their self-titled album clipping mm-hmm. because while yeah. it's not their best album it's certainly what they would soon branch out into yeah. more so than mid-city mid-city has the sound of clipping but it doesn't have the thematic influence yeah which but is huge clipping that album will show you the beautiful moments of clipping it'll show you the ugly moments of clipping yeah. and just what kind of brilliant stories they're able to tell yeah um, yeah, I highly recommend all of these artists, and I'm sure Matt does too. Um, <laughs> always remember that MF Doom and Daft Punk were huge influences. Going out for MF Doom, man. And they are just incredible and should also be listened to regardless of what you enjoyed. It's yeah. totally worth it. But uh, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I'm really excited to keep doing this, and I'm glad y'all are still listening. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.